In the beginning of today's gospel, our blessed Lord praises the Father for revealing things not to the wise and the learned, but to the little ones. It's an important thing for us because the, the fact is that very often we tend to rely upon ourselves, rely upon our knowledge, rely upon our own, our own wisdom or experience, and trying to fix our own problems. We get it honest because it comes from our first parents, Adam and Eve, they who, when given the opportunity to be at the same level of God, happily took it and said, thank you very much, and thus have consequently given us the reality of original sin and sin in general. And so it's a thing that is written into the human heart that we want to be able to provide for ourselves, not to have to rely upon anyone else whatsoever, even God. There's a rebellion that's happened within our soul. And we seek to, to satisfy ourselves, to be able to be entirely self-reliant. We can see this certainly in the continued growth of the self-help section at bookstores. And the fact that a whole variety of things, the, the, the wisdom of the world would encourage us simply to, to be able to, if we can get the right pattern down, if we can get the right system, if we get the right this, that, or the other thing, then we'll have exactly what we want. Things will be the way that we want them. We just have to be able to, to figure out for ourselves how we want it to be and then, and then get it, right? Um, and so it's the, this invitation that the world has to be able to seek to, to satisfy oneself. And especially, as our Lord speaks today in the gospel, looking for rest. Certainly, we love to be able to provide our own means for rest. We love TV and the internet and, and you know, various games and sports and escapes from the world and food and drink and all kinds of things, illicit and illicit both. And in so many ways, trying to satisfy our restless hearts, trying to find peace where the world cannot give it. And this is the invitation for us then that the Lord gives to us, to acknowledge this, and then to go to the place where peace and rest can be found. Come to me, our Lord says, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. It's not for us to rely upon self, not for us to rely upon our own ingenuity, or again, whatever we might be able to find out there that helps us move along. These things are not inherently evil. They can be helpful for sure. But true rest, true peace comes from only one place, and it is Christ. So it is him to whom we must turn. It is him to, most, to whom we must frequently have recourse if we would have rest in this earthly life. And three things in particular allow us to experience that rest, that peace of soul that we desire. The Scriptures, the Eucharist, and confession. What follows is a homily that you've probably heard a dozen times or so from my lips, because I seem to just hit the same notes over and over and over again as regards these things. But that's okay as far as I'm concerned. I was once told that you have to preach the same homily at least six times before everybody hears the same thing. It's worth saying it a hundred times, really, and for a thousand times, because the fact is that these, these gifts, the, the Scriptures, the Eucharist, and Confession, they are really the answers to everything, because Christ truly is the answer to all of the ills of our human hearts. And so it's for us to find rest in Him in these things. 
St. Ignatius of Loyola, a saint of the church uh, some 500 years or so ago, was a man who loved military battle. He himself was in the military, and it was, it was while he was in the military in the midst of a battle that he was injured severely and was laid up in bed with a, a great knee injury that would take a long time to heal. And so, lamenting this, he, he figured if he couldn't make use of his time to physically prepare for the next battle, he would at least do it mentally. And so he requested of those who were caring for him at this hospital uh, that they would provide for him some reading material, preferably that on, on war or military strategy or, you know, things of the past so he could learn from wars of the past and to be able to, 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 to plan and to prepare and to be uh, a well-suited leader. And they said, okay, well, um, we don't have that, but we'll bring you what we have. So they brought him two books, The Life of Our Lord and The Lives of the Saints. It was a Catholic hospital, after all. And he said, he said well, I have nothing better to do. They didn't have TV those days. They didn't have the internet. And so he could either sit there and twiddle his thumbs, or he could read what was set before him. And so he took up the Word and began to read. And he realized something as he was doing this, that when he read these books, it was a different experience than he'd ever had. As he was laying there, you know, of course, he would reflect back upon the things that he had done, the, the battles he had taken part in, and kind of imagine off in the future how he would go off and he would, he would claim a princess for a bride and he would, you know, have great military conquest then. And, and, and all of these things, there would be a, a moment of gratitude, a moment of, of, of joy in his heart. But as soon as he would leave those things behind, afterwards he felt empty. There was nothing there to satisfy him. Something was missing. But he noticed whenever he was reading the book of the life of our Lord and the lives of the saints, he would have that same, that same uplifted feeling as he was reading it, but it wouldn't go away after he was done. It would stay for hours and hours and hours and days. There was a fullness that happened in his heart when he read the life of our Lord and the lives of the saints, a fullness that, that the worldly battles left him empty considering. And so he began to follow Christ. He laid down everything and began that pursuit which satisfied the heart. And it's the fact that all of us, whenever we experience our Lord, whenever we go to Him, there's the fact that whenever we try worldly things, they will leave us empty. But when we turn to Him, who is the Lord God, He will fill us. And if St. Ignatius was able to be filled simply by a human's interpretation, a human's writing on the life of our Lord and the lives of the saints, how much more power has the Word of God to fill us? The Word of God, the Word that is given to us, that great love letter from heaven, so to speak, the thing that is given to us as a living Word, a living and effective Word, St. Paul tells us, it has the power to pierce our hearts, to convict us and to convert us to Christ. The Word of God and the power of the Word of God cannot be underestimated because it is the voice of God that still speaks to us today. It is not a dead voice. It is not a dead letter. It is new and it is living every time we read it. And so it is for us to read it, to take up the scriptures and to pray with them, to read through a passage and, and to reflect upon it, to ask the Lord about it, to speak to him about it, to tell him what we like about it or don't like about it, the things that concern us, tell him about what, what fears we might have that arise in our hearts. Tell him about whatever it is that arises within you. Speak to him about it, and maybe he will speak back. 
Maybe the rest of the passage will continue the word that has been spoken and give you the answer that you seek, or maybe not. But the simple fact, it's an invitation to a conversation with God. In the church, we formalize this into a process called Lexio Divina, but it's simply to be able to rest with our Lord, to read his word and to allow him to speak to us, to sit down for a good conversation as with a friend. This is the gift of the sacred scriptures. The second point is that of the Holy Eucharist. St. John Paul II was a man who was known in the midst of his travels often to be a bit delayed, a man after my own heart in this sense. But it's the fact that when he would go, he would often be delayed because as he would be going, if someone wanted to speak to him or offer some, some prayer request that he might pray for them, that he would, he would stop and he would, he would speak to them and, and, and engage them. And very often, people who experienced this, they said that you felt like you were the only person in the room, that there was no one else around. And so, whenever this would happen, he would be speaking to someone, engaging them, counseling them, encouraging them, whatever it might be in that particular moment, and thus he would be a bit delayed in the schedule rather than being able to go and hasten from place to place. This was doubly so as regards the Holy Eucharist, because any time he found a chapel, it was a guaranteed wrench in the whole system, because it threw off the whole schedule because they knew he would spend even more time in the presence of the Eucharist. And so it came to pass that in one of his journeys, they, knowing this, knowing especially that the Eucharist was uh, a weakness of St. John Paul, we might say, that would throw off the schedule, is they hid the Blessed Sacrament from him, or at least they tried to. It was, it was a long hallway of doors, and one of them was, was marked for the chapel, and they had various signs pointing to which way the chapel was. But they took all the signage down so that the door was indistinguishable from any of the other doors in the entire, in the entire hallway. There was no exterior reason that anyone should know it was a chapel. And so they, knowing this, and St. John Paul, you know, he's walking down, walking down the hallway, and they're trying, you know, they're all flanking him, trying to make sure he, he gets there on time so that the schedule keeps to what it needs to be. And as he walked past the door of the chapel that was unmarked, he stopped in his tracks, paused for a second in silence, and then went, and then turned, went into the chapel, and spent time there with our Lord and threw off the schedule for the rest of the day. He felt the presence of the Lord. There was no sign. There was no anything. No one told him. They were, in fact, trying to not tell him. But he felt the presence of the Lord, and he went to him. There is a felt presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, if we are aware of it. It's particularly easy to, to be aware of it whenever we come over the Triduum services in Holy Week. As we come on Good Friday, the church, the tabernacle is empty. The tabernacle candle is, is extinguished. He's not here. And he is felt to be gone. He is not there. And there's an emptiness. But whenever we come for Easter Mass, for the Vigil Mass, we come once again, and he is still missing. He is still not there. But in the confection of the Holy Eucharist, in the consecration, he comes into the room. And I don't know about you, but for me, a presence is felt. He's here. He's come to us. He's come to rest with us. It's this felt presence that he invites us to receive as well, to know that he is with us and to be with him, 
It's this peace that emanates, I think, from our Lord that called John Paul II. He could feel that peace radiating from the, from the chapel. And he was compelled to go there. And that peace is radiating from our Lord at every moment, is waiting for us to come and to respond, to receive it, to open our hearts to him. We need not do a whole, a whole you know, complex thing during a time of prayer before the Eucharist. Our Lord, whenever he gave the disciples the description for the first holy hour, it was rather simple. Stay here, keep watch with me. Period. Stay here, keep watch with me. That was the invitation to the disciples. And it's the invitation to us to stay here and to keep watch with him. To stay in his presence. To rest in his peace. There are a thousand ways for us to pray as Catholics, and every one of them is permitted in the midst of the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. But whatever it is that we do, is for us to stay and to pray, to keep watch, to rest in him. And to the extent that we are willing to rest in him, we will find peace. It's for us, whenever we go, to be able to lay all of these things down before our blessed Lord, to give him all of it. Another story of John Paul is whenever he was, uh, uh, he was in prayer one day in his chapel, and they were looking for him. So they went to force first to the chapel, and they, they went to the chapel, and they opened the door, and they didn't see him at his kneeler or in a chair or anything. So they closed the door and went on about the way, trying to find where he had gone. And so eventually they didn't find him, and so in his aspiration, they went back to the chapel. And there, this time, they didn't look up. They looked down. He was lying prostrate on the floor. He was giving himself to the Lord, offering his life, offering his day, offering everything. Imagine the anxieties of the world that the Holy Father carries upon his heart every single day. One would have to go to the Lord and lay it all at his feet. And thus he set the example for us to do the same. Whatever it is that we do during the time that we watch him pray, the most important thing is to give Jesus Christ our hearts to give him all of the things, all of the anxieties, all of that that leads us to be uh, heavily burdened. We who are laboring in this earthly life, in this valley of tears, to give it to Christ, to hand it to him, and to allow him to take care of it all. This is the invitation for us. The last thing is for us to go to the sacrament of confession. There are a whole variety of stories about the lives of the saints that would encourage us in this, but I would encourage you to reflect upon your own experience of confession. I know for myself, on both sides of the screen, there seems to be a kind of unwritten rule that follows, uh, that many people follow. It's not in the rubrics, of course, it's not, it's not indicated that this is something that's supposed to happen, but it's something that very frequently does happen. One makes their confession, they pray their act of contrition, the priest prays the absolution, and then there's a sigh. The unwritten part of the sacrament, the gift of peace that comes to the soul. The gift of peace knowing that, that the weight has been lifted, that the chains have been removed from our wrists, that we are not bound by sin anymore, we're not weighed down by it, but we are free. The sound of, of, the, of a sigh in the confessional is one of the sweetest sounds in the world to me. Is a sigh because it is, the, it is the, the love of Christ that comes to, to free the soul, to rescue us. So the Lord comes to bring us to himself, 
to give us rest. And the world cannot give us that rest. The world can't give us the peace that the Lord can give to us, especially in the confessional, because the world cannot forgive our sins. It's our sins so often that that make us lose our peace. And then in the midst of losing our peace, we sin even more, and the cycle just gets worse and worse and worse. But it's the Lord who wants to put an end to these things and to renew us in peace. It's the beauty of of the prayer of absolution is may God grant you pardon and peace. They are two separate things given to us in the sacrament, pardon and peace. The Lord wants us to be at peace. When we are not at peace, as the devil wants to make us not at peace, he's always doing whatever he can to kind of stir us up and to steal our peace from us. Whenever we are not at peace, that's when we start to find ourselves in trouble of trying to find a way to satisfy that peace to be able to fill that restlessness within our hearts with something. And very often, our first thought is things of the world. The invitation of our Lord is then to come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Whenever we go to the Lord in the sacrament, it is he who comes to free us from our sin again and to restore us to that peace which we ought to have had from the first and which every human heart longs to receive in, in perpetuity that it will never be taken from us. That's why we long for heaven. It's because heaven is absolute perfect peace of soul, and it never fades. It increases and strengthens and grows. This is the peace that's offered to us. This is the peace the Lord wants to offer to us every time we go to the sacraments, every time we pick up the scriptures, every time we avail ourselves of time in the presence of the Eucharist. This is the peace he gives to us. So indeed, may God grant us the grace to heed his call, to come to him, we who are heavy burdened, we who labor in this earthly life, and thus coming to him to find rest.